Hi, and welcome to the DIY Photo Organising Podcast, focusing on topics to help you with your photo management. I'm Fiona from Photo Helper. And I'm Chantelle from Photos in Auto. Hi, Fiona. Hey, how are you? I'm very good. I'm very excited. We're having a great episode today. Yes. And um, before we head into the episode, we just want to remind you to leave your questions on our wish list. You find the link in our um, show notes as usual. So if you do have questions, please put it in there and we'll um, answer it like today because a listener has asked us a question about how to best store and archive printed photos. And we both know a little bit about that topic or quite a bit actually probably <laughs> because we work with it every day. But it is a very, very specialized area. And because of that, we have invited a guest, which is Kate Jacobs from The Photo Curator. Hi, Kate. Hello. I'm happy to join you, ladies. Long time hey, listener, Kate. first time, first oh. time guest. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Welcome, welcome. So, Kate, it is so, so lovely having you on as our guest today. Um, you have just been such an inspiration in the industry and just this area of expertise that you have. You're obviously so passionate about it and it's just a real privilege to be able to share that knowledge with our lovely listeners. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for um, having me. I do love talking about uh, nerdy things like archival storage. So I will geek out and for the next hour here. I can't wait. Yay. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So let me introduce, let me um, give our wonderful listeners a bit of a background about you. So that, and we're, then we've got some, some great questions and um, we can get into the nitty gritty of things. So I'll just share about Kate. So Kate um, has been a memory keeping expert, I guess, since she was a kid. Uh, Kate went from making vacation scrapbooks to earning a master's degree in museum studies, which I just think is just, it's such a, oh, just such a little unique area. I, um, I can't imagine the kind of things you would have gone through to study that. Um, and also working at two Smithsonian museums, which is very impressive. Kate spent most of her 13-year career in the museum world, working with collections, and has a passion for organising and archival storage. So after getting an MBA and spending a decade in marketing, Kate combined both her careers and started her own photo organising business, which is called The Photo Curator and has been doing that um, since 2016. Kate is also um, marketing coordinator for a fabulous company, which is called um, Archival Methods. And Kate will talk a bit about that today as well. And that's based out of Rochester, uh, a New York manufacturing company of archival storage and presentation supplies. So Kate lives in Rochester with her husband, daughter and two dogs. Welcome, Kate. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That was a nice intro. Thanks. Yeah, oh, I am um, here in New York and um, excited to talk to your listeners, which I think are probably around the world. So hopefully we'll have tips that apply to everybody, no matter where you're listening from. Oh, fantastic. Wonderful. Well, let's just launch straight in with hearing a little bit about yourself um, and your business. How did it all get started? Right. Well, you definitely hit on some in the bio there. Um, I have really loved making, um, you know, photo albums and, and scrapbooks and things ever since I was a kid and when organizing things, I just have that organizing gene and um, was excited to kind of get into museum work and college and uh, followed that dream for, uh, you know, through a master's degree in museum studies, which was really cool. I focused in anthropology, um, which a lot of museum collections kind of have that angle um, and ended up actually spending eight years working as what they call a collections manager at a museum here in Rochester um, called the Strong Museum. It's um, a, a history museum. It's focused more on play and toys and games now, but uh, we had half a million objects. And so I was in charge of organizing them and making sure we knew where they were and cataloging them and we would get about 3,000 new objects a year added to the collection and so kind of coordinating that whole process so 
um, you know, it's really not actually a lot different than what photo organizers do just with objects. So um, it kind of ties in nicely to where I am now. Um, and then, you know, but to be honest, there's not a lot of money in the museum world. So I did, <laughs> I did jump out for a while to, uh, to go back to school and get, I got a business degree and got into kind of corporate marketing and which really, when you think of it is, um, is storytelling, right? It's, that's what, what was so appealing about marketing was, um, was sharing kind of sto business stories and things. And, um, when that, I kind of got sick of the nine to five grind and it was, I was, I'd always thought maybe I could do something with photos again. And, you know, I'd always been making photo books for my family and maybe some other people could use help with this and the organizing part. And uh, in 2016, the time was right for me to kind of jump out of the corporate world. Um, it was a good 20 year run of nine to five jobs. It was very nice to kind of all of a sudden have, you know, be my own boss and, and you know, make my own hours and, and figure things out on my own. So I started this business. I Googled photo organizing. Um, I found uh, Apo as it was known back then, or now it's called the Photo Managers, which has been a great organization in terms of um, kind of you know technical information about photo organizing and business education. So that really helped me get my business going. And um, yeah, so it's it's been um, almost five plus years now that that I've been doing this for um, families and businesses. Um, and then Archival Methods is a local company to me here in Rochester, and I had used them to purchase supplies when I worked at the um, Strong Museum in Rochester, and, right. and so I knew of them, and then, um, you know, kind of came back into the, you know, into their fold uh, as a photo organizer, and I was purchasing supplies for my clients, and um, and then I just, I really enjoyed getting to know Angela Kopi, who's the, um, the president now, and she's got a great team and it's just a really fantastic little company. Um, and just, you know, so much of it, so much of what they produce is made here in Rochester and it's just really a great story. And I love their products and I love talking about archival storage. And so I said, Hey, you know, do you guys need any help with you know, anything on the side? I'm happy to kind of do some marketing and so that's how I ended up kind of up with a part-time gig working for Archival Methods as well. Awesome. Wow. You sound like a very busy woman. <laughs> <laughs> there are no. days when I would like to be less busy, but yeah, I like to have a lot of irons in the fire. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, obviously we're talking about archival storage of photos today <laughs> because that's a question a lot of people we get that really often um Fiona and I were just saying we can't believe we haven't done an episode about that <laughs> um because it's very common now and still of course we live in a very digital world these days so you know that often um yeah is is on top of the mind but we forget that people still have physical photos, they have other keepsakes, they have important documents mm -hmm. that, yes, you can scan and digitize them, but you're not going to throw them out. So how on earth do we keep them safe? How do we archive and store them? Um, so maybe if you can start with photos and give our listeners a few ideas, how can they be stored safely and archived? If, for, yeah. you, know, you know, in a home residential environment mm -hmm. um not mm -hmm. in museum environment obviously <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> but, um, oh, no, and also you know of course there might be differences that um might be important to point out as well what is the difference and you know for, but for the for us <laughs> people at home what can we do yeah, absolutely. And they're definitely, I, I like to be a little bit more practical when I think about archival storage for all of us just at home, because we don't have the resources that museums have, you know, even though we often think of museums as underfunded, they do, uh, you know, spend significant money to make sure their collections are, are safe. And we can do a lot of things to make sure our collections are safe, too, that maybe aren't as, um, you know, as expensive, <laughs> to be honest, right, as, as kind of the museum level of storage. So there are definitely lots of things um, that are accessible for kind of you know us everyday people and our and our photos and and things. Um, I guess I wanted to start out by saying really the most important thing you can do to preserve any kind of photographic material, whether it's photos, slides, negatives, um, is to keep it out of the light and to keep it in room temperature. So light and then fluctuations in temperature and humidity are really um, among the biggest threats to photos. So you'll see fading from light, obviously. Um, if you've got lots of fluctuations in temperature and humidity, 
It can do things, you know, it can crack the emulsion on photos. You can, you can start having mold growth happening. Um, lots of just not the good things for your pictures, right? So if you take just one thing away from this conversation, it is to move your photos out of your basement, attic, or garage, if you have them there, and just start store them where you live. It doesn't even matter the, the box at this point, just get them into a stable, uh, you know, room temperature environment where the fluctuations aren't that great over the course of a year and to keep them in the dark. So that's the first thing I will say. Um, and you don't need any archival supplies for that, really. So that's a huge help for, for preserving photos. Um, and really it's important because photos are such a great backup. The printed photos are such a great backup. You know, we all have photos from a hundred years ago that are still fantastic shape, right? So um, you think about all the work we do with digital and you know someone might lose that hard drive or it might lose that flash drive or the cloud service is you know there's 30 years 40 years from now it's hard to say where you know it's, just a, it's a lot of work for that upkeep and you can do some simple things to keep a really safe backup of printed photos um so i think it is important to to make sure that they're at least out of the light and at least in room temperature where you live in the house um as opposed to garages or attics or basements so that's my first my first point. Um, and the next point I like to make is that really any archival storage is better than none. So kind of after you found a place to store them in like the main living part of your house, then you can think about archival storage in terms of like boxes. So, and it, I also want to say it's best to save this stuff until after you've organized your photos, because this can be an investment, right? And you want to make sure that you're spending money on what you really want to save. Um, so if you've got lots of bins of kind of disorganized photos, they're going to be fine for the next five or seven years, honestly, like till you get to them. So it's, it's not like you should rush out and buy photo safe boxes, like for all your disorganized photos. You want to do that part of the project first and then decide what you're saving, how much you have to save, you know, and then, and then make those archival storage purchases. So just another kind of, you know, before you jump in uh, tip there. So then you, you're, you know, you're kind of ready for storage, right? You finished even just a part of your, you know, collection, for example, um, you need to ask a question of, you need to ask this question. Do you want to easily access what you're storing? Um, like, would you like to flip through your photos or maybe some family letters or documents or something like in a binder, something you can kind of quickly take off the shelf and enjoy them? Or if you digitize these photos and you're okay with them just kind of going into deep storage, like in a box on the, you know, a top of a closet shelf somewhere. So that's really the, you know, when you, when you're ready to do storage, the first question is how accessible do you want it to be? Because that'll help you lead, you know, lead you down the path of, all right, I want things in binders. I want to have them, you know, handy to flip through and to enjoy, or I just want these as a total backup in a box on a, on a shelf somewhere. So that's kind of the, the first um, decision point, if you will, um, when it comes to storage. Um, and then kind of the second decision point, I feel like, is um, is sometimes a box is totally fine and just enough storage. If you're storing photos um, that are all the same type, like you've got, you know, a thousand kind of four by six prints, they can just be stacked right next to each other in a box. They don't need to have, you know, any dividers other than how you want, you know, if you need dividers for organizing them, but they don't need any, you know, separation, um, you know, between each other. Um, I would separate different types of photos, um, but they can really, if they're in good shape, they can be stacked together. But uh, if you do have, sometimes you'll have photos that need a little bit more protection, right? So if you've got something like negatives, um, those are easily scratched and if you're going to the you know to if you have them and you want to save them they should be stored in plastic sleeves um, archival plastic sleeves because they're so easily scratched so that's kind of one photographic material that needs a little bit extra protection um, another would be kind of old cased photographs like daguerreotypes or ambrotypes that you see in those beautiful little cases um, those cases can be really fragile um, usually the, the photo inside is protected really well from the case, but then the case also could scratch other things that it's stored with, right? Because it is, they usually have some decoration on the outside. So those cases I like to store in a plastic bag and kind of store them separately from other photos that needs another layer of protection um, besides just a box. If you have like a fragile photo album, 
Um, I like to store that kind of in a plastic bag um, that, you know, to kind of keep all the pieces together and, and not, and so it, that again needs more than just, just a box, right? It's just another little level of, of protection there. Um, if you have something that we call um, friable media, friable just means that it's kind of flaky. If you've got like a chalk or a pastel drawing or even some kids artwork with like tempera paint or something that kind of is flaking off, that is something that you want to put in like a plastic sleeve or a plastic bag to keep all those little flaky bits together. Um, and then and the last kind of main thing where I like to think about extra layers of protection is newspaper clippings, because um, we all know newspaper is like the most acidy, terrible paper. <laughs> We've all seen it yellow and gets brittle and it crumbles and it stains anything that it's touching. And so uh, if you're saving newspaper clippings, um, first of all, they should be digitized because they will definitely, you know, crumble before, uh, you know, too long. Um, you should put those in a in an, a separate enclosure as well. So there's most in most cases for photos, a box is just fine. And then kind of in those cases we just talked about, I like to have an extra layer like a plastic sleeve, a plastic bag, something. So there's you know kind of different levels of things you can do depending on uh, you know what you're working with. Kate, I think that's really um, helpful actually because when you're thinking the way you've sort of just laid it out, I can sort of picture. Um, you know, when we're organising, you know, our general collection of our home stuff. So we're going through, <laughs> we've got stuff that we've inherited, we've got yeah. stuff that we've taken ourselves, um, we've got some photo albums, we've got mm -hmm. some, even some precious things in maybe frames. Mm -hmm. So that's really helpful to know. So we, so I'm just thinking of um, if someone's listening and they've they've sort of got all their stuff, like they're in that collection, that sorting stage, and they've they've mm -hmm. got it all out and about, and um, maybe they've done their purge and stuff like that, um, you know, and and sort of got rid of things that they um, know they won't need, and like mm -hmm. you've suggested, um, to start looking at at what they're going to do as an end sort of a goal with with the easily accessible question that sort of that first part that you're raising mm -hmm. I thought that was really great can you explain a little bit about some of those options mm -hmm. um if if they're outside of what you're saying about these different boxes about you know so we've got a box of just all the photos and then we're highlighting yeah. some of these individual things how do we address the part if we do want to flip through and mm -hmm. easily access some of these other sort of options, like from from a just photos out of albums and then albums? So what what are some of those options? Yeah, yeah. So for photos uh, out of albums, let me think. Um, so I, certainly, you know, boxes still work too. If you want to just be able to kind of you know page through or you know kind of flip through the photos that way. Um, I will say for photos in a box and ones maybe that you want to access more frequently, um, it's nice to be able to have those sorted you know, into sections. Um, and lots of archival suppliers, archival methods included, make nice envelopes that really imitate, they look just like a photo lab envelope, right? So there's lots of space to write on that envelope, like what you know, precise events or, you know, group of photos this is and dates and names and all the, you know, all the stuff. And that makes it much easier. Uh, it makes those photos much more accessible if you do, you know, want to keep those photos in a box, but still be able to kind of pull them out easily. And then you'll know, you know, the more you can organize that box with, with envelopes that are kind of like the photo lab envelopes and then dividers, even you can get, you know, very organized about it, but that makes it easier to, you know, find what you want to look at, take it out, put it back in the right spot. Um, some people just put all their photos in one in one box, and that's totally fine. But if you do want to, you know, be able to find something down the road, using envelopes and dividers can be a, a real help um, for those loose photos um, like that while they're, you know, still in boxes, but but more accessible. Um, does that answer that first part? Yeah, of it question? does. And so and yeah. so if they don't have albums, but they want to be able to flip through them, Mm -hmm. Are there certain types of albums that they were wanting that, you know, just so they're already loose and they actually want to put mm -hmm. them in an album? Yeah. What yeah. sort of, because you can see out there in the shop sometimes it says archival safe and it says photo safe or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, can we have your expert advice as to what that 
kind of really means and just what to really look out for if they're yeah. wanting to buy something that is more of an album style for their mm -hmm. archiving? Yeah, I would say there's, so there's kind of two angles to go with the album style. There is the the one that where you just pop them into kind of the photo pocket pages. So it's like a plastic page protector with, you know, slots for four by sixes or three by fives or, you know, or you can have a full sheet page protector if you've got larger prints or documents. So um, the page protector kind of angle in a binder is, is one way to do it. And then the, um, you can also kind of mount them on paper pages, like, like a really old school, um, photo album or scrapbook. So um, if you're mounting pa uh, photos uh, or documents even on pages, uh, they still make photo corners. We sell at Archival Methods um, photo safe, you know, archival photo corners. Um, there are lots of scrapbook adhesives, which are, you know, which, you know, from the quality kind of scrapbook suppliers at the craft store are, um, you know, are suitable for mounting those onto those paper pages. So you kind of have that scrapbook feel to it. Um, so that's kind of, you know, the, if you want to have it, the real paper kind of tactile side of things. And then if you're going the page protector route, um, you, you will often see page protectors and photo pocket pages at, you know, a craft supply store or kind of an office supply store. And um, the, the one thing you want to look for, uh, sometimes they will say 100% polypropylene. And if you do see that, phrase on a package from like, you know, Staples or Office Max or whatever that uh, because it says 100% polypropylene, polypropylene is a inert, you know, non-off-gassing plastic that is, is considered archival. Um, so that's like the only time I would trust a kind of regular store label on these things. If it just says acid-free or it just says photo safe and doesn't give you any more specs, any more details about the material used, um, I, I wouldn't trust that. So I really recommend purchasing from suppliers that will tell you things like the pH of the paper or the cardboard used to make the box, because that will tell you if it's acid-free or not. They will tell you the kappa number of the paper because that will tell you whether it's lignin-free or not. They will tell you how much calcium carbonate has been embedded into the paper during production because that will tell you it's buffered and will then absorb some acids from, you know, and neutralize acids, for, you know, in the atmosphere to, to further protect what you're storing. Um, it will tell you it's, it's, a, it's polyethylene, polypropylene, or polyester and not any of the, you know, the, the bad plastics, right? So it's those details. You don't need to remember all those, you know, the, the numbers and the, and the chemical names and things. You just want to purchase from a supplier for the most part that, that will, that lists all those specifications. So that's really uh, my advice is to just not trust a single label that says acid-free or photo safe, unless the one caveat, the, the kind of the one caveat to that is if you see something that says hundred percent polypropylene, that is, um, you know, sometimes at Staples or something, you'll see page protectors that are that are 100% polypropylene. And so all the ones that we sell mm. at Archival Methods and other suppliers sell are also, um, you know, safe plastics, of course. Um, but occasionally you can find polypropylene ones elsewhere. So, and they're good. That's okay. Good yeah, their polypropylene is good. Yes, but if it, <laughs> if it doesn't say that and it just says photo safe, give you any other details about the material that's where I just I don't you can't trust it Kristen, you know and if you're going to spend yeah. the money you might as well spend it somewhere that is going to tell you more than you ever wanted to know about the materials <laughs> so yeah so there's kind of yeah so there's two ways you know you can put them in page protectors or you can mount them on paper um you know acid-free paper with um you know however with corners or with scrapbooking adhesive or something so yeah. I asked something about the, you mentioned the polypropylene, um, which mm -hmm. we, we, we know about, of course, but what we often see, you know, floating around, especially on Facebook and places like that, when people talk about storing their prints, they get those little boxes. They, I think they six by four boxes, plastic boxes that take about maybe 50, uh, 50 prints and they mm -hmm. like to archive them in those boxes. And it, mm -hmm. there's a bigger box that has about 10 or 12 of these smaller ones. And yep. They are polypropylene, but some also I've seen in our local stores, um, they are actually not clear, but they have, they colorized. So there's, you know, a clear box, a red box, a yellow, a blue box in that whole set. And I'm always worried about, well, 
color needs chemicals, right? So is this really still photo safe or not? That is a good question. I actually don't know specifically kind of about those colors. Like I think I, you know, I would, um, I would definitely look for that 100% polypropylene. But um, honestly, that is a great question about the colored plastics. Um, Sorry, I would have to. Yeah, no, you totally stumped me on that one. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> no, but maybe that's maybe that's because you don't have it at, at you know, you, you probably don't come across it. It's definitely more of a, um, you know, aesthetic looking. Yes. No, I I can I can picture it. We have a store at Michaels here that sells that kind of stuff, and I can definitely picture exactly those those photo carriers. I know exactly what you mean. Um, but yeah, I don't think I've ever picked one up to look at. It. <laughs> right. So um, but I will say. No, go, go. I'm sorry. You go. The um. So as long as it says you know 100% polypropylene, which sometimes um at those stores you have to go on a manufacturer's website to kind of do a little digging. It doesn't always say on the label. Um, it's worth a call or, or worth you know checking out the manufacturer's site uh, to get that information. But honestly, plastic can be just fine. Um, I do like cardboard archival cardboard boxes a little better for photos simply because there's better airflow and photos do you know benefit from airflow to kind of keep um kind of little microclimates from forming for example um but again you know the boxes that you're getting um you know those photo storage boxes aren't like airtight sealed airtight right i mean they, they're sealed yes they, they latch shut but they're it's not an airtight seal so there is still some airflow but um in general i feel like the cardboard box is um has leaves kind of a little bit more room for that air to circulate. Um, but the, the plastic boxes, as long as you can get the polypropylene ones, they are totally acceptable. And actually the bigger bins, even like a big bigger plastic bin from, you know, Rubbermaid or Sterilite, one of those companies that you can get at a, at a box store, they are, are great storage for a larger kind of household heirlooms that you want to store. Um, so they can be useful for sure. That brings me to a question we actually also hear sometimes um, because, and you mentioned it at the start, we shouldn't store photos in the garage or in the attic or the basement. Um, mm -hmm. And we always say that to our listeners too, but sometimes, you know, the, the garage might just be the only place they can put it. Uh, it, it can happen. So then we got the question, um, I got that from a client recently where we use proper archival boxes to store their photos after scanning. And then they asked me, so how about if I put these boxes into a bigger plastic bin um, and put them in the garage? And I was like, I wasn't actually sure what to say, to be honest. No, I hear you. Yeah, um, yeah first of all, the garage is not the place you should be storing them. Um, but if you do, is that really a good idea to put a plastic box into a plastic box into an environment that's not stable, as you said before, in terms of temperature and possibly also humidity? And mm -hmm. it's not going to be airflow or hardly any if it sits in that big plastic bin. So I wasn't quite sure what to actually say to that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a tough one um, for sure. I guess obviously kind of the first thing, as you mentioned, was was if at all possible, like somewhere else besides the garage. But you know, it's um, if you have you've got photos in a cardboard box, an archival cardboard box, and then you put it inside a bigger bin. You know, as as long as that bigger bin is polypropylene too, I'm really the old, the main downfall is going to be the the lack of airflow and the potential to kind of have a microclimate where you know some moisture gets in and some mold starts or something. Um, you know, you can use as you got I think you guys mentioned um, in the we were prepping some questions and you know silica gel bags um, or um, we also in the states here at least offer those um, little containers of silica gel beads which can be um, dried and like reused which is convenient so you kind of um, there's a little window in them so you can see when they've all kind of become you know fully uh, you know embedded with moisture and then you can dry them out again in the oven or the microwave so they're it's a little bit cheaper maybe or you know in the long term rather than kind of buying the disposable uh, silica gel bags but or beads, those can be um, helpful to kind of soak up, you know, moisture in an enclosed space like that. So, you know, I guess if that's your only option, I would maybe try to use a little, um, you know, humidity mitigation system, like a, you know, a dust container. 
and, and that kind of situation. I, I do think for short-term um, situations, like if you, I know um, your country had some crazy floods, uh, you know, maybe this, you know, just recently, right? If you're kind of worried about protecting photos from floods or, you know, hurricanes like we have here in the U.S. or you need to evacuate for, you know, any kind of natural disaster reason, it's totally fine to pack your photos into those bins and keep them there for a while. So, but if, you know, long-term, I, I think just making sure that you are mitigating the humidity because of that airflow is kind of the main issue um, with that. What sort of a time frame is that, Kate, from your experience where like the temporary, moving from a temporary to a more permanent is really something someone should look at? Yeah, you know, I think it really depends on kind of where you live, right? And where you, you know, if you are kind of in the tropics and, um, you know, and humidity, you know, is really an issue. Um, and so, you know, lots of folks don't have air conditioning in their house. And so it, it, it becomes a real issue. And, and um, so you want to kind of move out of temporary storage into, into, you know, more, I guess, thorough or complete, you know, archival storage, uh, you know, the sooner the better, but also, you know, photos are surprisingly hardy, right? So we, I mean, I still have photos in non-archival containers. I will, you know, I will, it's just, uh, it just, it, you know, it's, it takes time to get to these projects, right? And so, you know, it, we've all had things stored for decades in, you know, not photo safe boxes and they're still in pretty good shape. So really, um, you know, it, it's, 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 if you've got a project that's ongoing and it's been a couple of years, like your photos are going to be fine stored in there you know, shoe boxes or whatever they've been in, you know, bags, um, especially if they're in your house and they're in a relatively dark spot. Um, but it's really the long term. This is like we're this uh, this archival this kind of archival storage is really for the, the long game, right? So it's 50 years, 100 years, you're looking at the next couple of generations of people who are going to want to enjoy these photos. Um, so yeah, short term, it's not like, oh, my God, I need to get my yeah. photos yep. into something but, immediately. So yeah. yeah. And um, can you tell us what would your advice be about um, frames? So if people have got photos in frames, should they take them out or should they leave them in? So frames can make great storage. If you've got um, a frame, especially if you know um, that it's been framed with kind of archival material. So the backer board that whatever you're framing is that it's placed on um, is archival or, you know, acid-free paper and, and the, the matting, the map board around, uh, you know, on top of it is also archival. Um, that is, it's a great place to store something. It's really safe, um, you know, especially if you've got it um, not hanging on the wall. <laughs> it's, it's extra safe if you've got it stored somewhere in the dark. Uh, I would keep things in frames, um, it, but, but if it's not in an archival framing situation, um, and I would maybe get it out. And then you can scan it while it's out. And then you can decide, am I going to store this separately or am I going to reframe it? Um, if it's something, you know, really precious, it's worth reframing with archival materials or worth storing, um, you know, with archival materials. Um, because the, you know, kind of being sandwiched in a frame with, um, you know, with, with who knows what cardboard on the back and, you know, not archival mat board or, you know, on, on top of it. And, um, you know, being in that glass, uh, as we know, can kind of make, kind of make a little uh, microclimate. We've all seen photos that are stuck to the glass because some moisture got in and it's really hard um, to remove those. So um, if it's, if it's matted and framed in an archival way, then it's, it's great storage. Um, and then if it's not, it's worth, taking them out to digitize and, and make some decisions about what to do. So one more thing I want to say about, yeah, about yeah, please. Yep. photos. So um, if you, so even if you hang something out of direct sunlight, like that's the main thing, like hanging something on the wall away from direct sunlight, um, it's still going to be out in ambient light and it will still fade over to, you know, faster um, because it's, you know, even out of direct sunlight, just being out in your house, it will fade faster than if it was um, obviously stored away in the dark. So if you've got, uh, you know, a photo, kind of a one of a kind photo or a family document or something that's, that's precious and you want to have it on display, I would really recommend um, digitizing it and framing a reproduction and then storing away the original if it's kind of a irreplaceable one of a kind. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say before, uh, 
or you you frame a copy and not you know you protect yes yeah. yep exactly okay awesome now you talked about documents before and the plastic mm -hmm. sleeves um mm -hmm. now there's tons of plastic sleeves you know i can get them at the supermarket um what do i need to look out for to to make sure that it's the right plastic again is it mm -hmm. the, the polypropylene or what do i need to look out for yeah yeah so um there are three kinds of plastics that are considered um archival quality so they're inert they're not going to off gas they're not going to yellow or get hard or crumbly like we've seen so many different types of plastics so they are the polypropylene um anything that is polyester and um, often um, you'll see that under the brand name Mylar. Uh, Mylar is actually a, a polyester. And then um, polyethylene is another one. And they all kind of come in different combinations of clarity and strength. And, so, you know, the, some of them, the polyesters, plastic sleeves are a little bit stiffer plastic. And the polyethylene makes a really nice kind of softer plastic bag. I know it sounds weird to talk about a soft plastic, but... Um, yeah, they have different, and then you know the polypropylene can, is made into you know it's it can be a sleeve, it can be a, a plastic storage bin. So they all have you know a range of qualities, but um, really you want to stay away from anything that's labeled um, that has vinyl in in the word. So polyvinyl chloride, polyvinyl acetate, PVA, PVC, um, those two especially are just um, a terrible plastics for. Um, for storage and you know and, and so often those kind of cheap little photo albums you can grab at, at the store um, that don't say anything about being photos like those are often vinyl based plastics and you know we'll start to those actually have a much shorter kind of shelf life and you know five or ten years you'll start to you know they'll smell bad and then by yellowing and you can tell they're they're not a good plastic so right. yeah that's yeah, but plastic great. sleeves are great. I love to have um, I ha love to have sleeves and bags just on hand, kind of as I'm sorting photos. Even um, uh, they're just you can get them in so many different sizes. And even if you just have you know some four by sixes and five by sevens and some full you know eight by ten ish or eight and a half by eleven size ones on hand, um, just to separate out photos that that you come across as you're sorting that maybe are more fragile they're a little damaged, they're bent, and you want to, you know, just kind of keep them separate and keep them safer. Um, if they maybe if you took photos out of um, one of those old magnetic albums with the sticky back pages, and some residue stays on the back of the print, you don't want to stack those right in with all your other prints, you want to keep those, um, those prints with residue kind of each one in its own little sleeve or own little bag. So um, kind of it's, it is, you know, if you, you don't need to put things in archival storage kind of all together as you're sorting, but it can be handy to have on hand a couple bags and sleeves to kind of um, separate out the, the pictures that need a little more attention. So Kate, um, a lot of these kind of products and bags that you're talking about can come from um, the company that, you know, you've done a lot of work with archival methods. Do mm -hmm. they also ship to other countries? And if, you know, other people are listening and they're interested to sort of find out what their options are through archival methods? Yeah, absolutely. We do a lot of international shipping. It does add, um, you know, unfortunately, um, a lot to, or sometimes a lot to the price depends on where you're shipping and how fast you want it. But the process is that you would um, place an order on the website, just kind of put, you know, put the things in the cart and check out just like you were doing it, uh, you know, in, in your country and, uh, you know, put your international address in. And then um, our policy at Archival Methods is that we will not process your order until we've talked to you about the shipping options. So we will email or call you with um, the shipping options and the prices, like the different carriers and the prices, and, um, and let you make a decision whether or not you want to go through with the order. Um, and it's fine if you don't, or if you do, you know, let us know, you know, how to ship and then we'll, then we'll charge your card and, and finish the order. So um, you can kind of, without any worry, you can kind of, you know, tally up your order and, 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 and see what it would be. Uh, for shipping before we process it. Fantastic. And so what, mm -hmm. just say, um, you know, if, if, the, if it was too maybe expensive with the shipping and stuff, what kind of um, recommendations would you give listeners if they were to try to find some services or some other products in their local area? What, what would they even kind of Google? We've got a few kind of, um, companies that we, you know, we use in Australia, but, you know, we've got a lot of listeners from different places in the world and, and even in different yeah. parts of Australia. So what, what do you Google? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think, um, honestly, even just starting with archival storage is a great 
term, right? Is a great search term. And uh, you could even throw the word, you know, museum storage in there because uh, certainly museums across the world need to have resources for buying these types of materials. Um, or, you know, even the keywords like, you know, acid free or photo safe, you know, photo safe supplies or acid free supplies. Those are kind of the, you know, some very common um, keywords that go along with this kind of storage. And again, just looking for a supplier uh, wherever they are that is open about the specifications of the materials they've used because there are standards about what it, what, what it means to be archival. Like there's not a standard about, about who can use a term acid free or photo safe, but there are standards about, we know what that means in terms of production. And, um, and so most, you know, I would say if not all archival suppliers, you know, who sell to institutions and to galleries and to artists and, you know, people who, who care about this like us, um, they are going to tell you like everything you want to know about, you know, the cardboard they use, the plastic they use, um, you know, all, all the things, all those details. So mm. honestly, you don't even need to know what those details are, but just seeing them listed is honestly enough to, to feel like you can trust a supplier. Yeah. So, One yeah. of the things um, I'd be really interested because, and I think your, your knowledge is so unique in this area, I think with, uh, with your experience in the archival expertise, and then also very much so in the in the personal photo organizing space. If listeners were keen to just even have a consultation with you, just even to sort of talk about their options and even over, over a visual Zoom or, you know, online meeting sort of hold up what they've got and can you do consulting <laughs> yeah. like that for people? Is that an option? Yeah. No, I absolutely do. I actually was just emailing today with a colleague and she sent me some pictures of some, some negatives. She was, um, she had some clients, uh, negatives. We were talking about storage options. So I do that all the time. I'd love talking about archival projects and I'm happy to, um, to have these conversations. If it's a, you know, it's a, a question here or there, I'm happy to do it. But if, if it's a more of a, you know, a project consultation, um, I'm happy to set up a, you know, a time and, and have it be a little bit more official, um, you know, meeting and um, yeah, so I just, it's, it's so fun. I just love hearing what people have and it's always a challenge to kind of see, you know, all right, well, how can we help and what can we do with this and what are, what are the options? So yeah, I, I'm open to that. Absolutely. Oh, good. Well, we'll make sure that we put all those details in, um, yeah, thank in you. the show notes and you can, you know, leave all those details, but tell us what's, what, what's something that just made me think of a question. What's something mm -hmm. like, what, what's one of the, um, most interesting archival things that you've had to? <laughs> oh, that is a good question. So um, one of the most interesting kind of uh, storage situations that I, it wasn't one where I was working uh, um, with the with the objects themselves, but I worked in another department of the museum and then would kind of, um, you know, have reason to go talk to the, the curatorial and the collection staff. It was at the National Museum of the American Indian. And um, it's one of the Smithsonian museums. They have a place in in Washington DC, but also a branch up in New York City where they had lots of storage. And um, the storage required for, uh, first of all, for some incredibly delicate kind of indigenous objects, you know, these amazing feather headdresses and, um, you know, stone implements from, you know, from thousands of years ago, like the, the range of things they had to store was fascinating, but then also the attention they paid to kind of the cultural heritage of these things and um, being very uh, clear on the storage um, containers, who could handle this? What time of year something could be handled? Maybe this was only to be, um, you know, handled or, or dealt with um, by people from that, um, from that nation, from that indigenous tribe. So just really, um, very, uh, you know, storage is, it's like, you know, for the safety of the objects, but it also, it's like, it's about the objects. It kind of, it gives you a little look into, you know, the meaning and the history and everything behind these objects too. It was really fascinating to kind of just see, um, you know, the, the scope that, um, that of, of, of kind of collection storage at a place like this. It's so that was really fascinating. Yeah, yeah really that's true, which is actually um, unintentional, but it kind of links to what <laughs> if people have other objects other than yeah, photos? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yes. Um, you know, yes. because they do, you know, we come across that too, don't we, Chantel, when we're dealing with, you know, and helping people, they'll have, like you've talked about newspaper articles and things like that, but even, you know, um, you know, the first little baby shoes or you've mm-hmm. got, um, you know, the, the list is endless. With yes, Med- like military medals or, you know, somebody, grandma's quilt or something. Absolutely. So really that when you're storing objects, um, the, the, the main concern, again, is to keep them out of the light and keep dust and pests away from them. And so boxes really are the best way um, to handle storage um, of objects, lots of different objects. And there are archival suppliers, like archival methods, um, sell so many different sizes and shapes of boxes that it's usually fairly um, easy to find one that fits what you're storing. Um, when it comes to uh, storing th- objects, the, the main thing is to store like with like so that you've got, you know, kind of some textiles, let's store all them together, right? Uh, kind of family textiles or personal, you know, some clothes or kind of, you know, personal accessories, store that kind of stuff together. Don't mix that in with some framed pieces and some trophies, some sports trophies, right? So kind of keeping like with like is important. It's, you know, it's better, um, you know, kind of for packaging and, you know, the box is, is not weighted in a weird way and things aren't shifting around, right? Um, and then just pad, making sure you pad things. Um, I love also having archival tissue on hand. It looks just like regular tissue paper. So if you get some, you should label it and make sure you're not using it for um, wrapping <laughs> because <laughs> it looks just like white t- regular tissue paper, but it is archival. And so um, it's great to just crumple up in a box around kind of whatever you're storing. You know, I would um, say you've got like some old baby shoes, right? I would actually take some archival tissue, I'd crumple it up inside the baby shoe to kind of let it keep it, have it, keep it shape. Right. And then I would, um, I would put them in a small box or maybe in a corner of a bigger box with some other personal articles. And I would just have that crumpled tissue around it to kind of, um, to protect it. Um, what else do I want to say about storing objects? Oh, it's very important, especially because if you're kind of padding and having tissue and all these boxes that, you know, take up space and make things, make sure things aren't shifting around. It's hard then to see what's in the box, right? So especially with storage, um, labeling the box, even putting a little inventory sheet on top, even like a handwritten sheet of what's in here, on, you know, laying that on top of the box before you close it, uh, labeling the outside, of course, labeling your photo boxes is important too. Um, but especially for, objects you don't want to be having to go in there and like paw through all this tissue to see what's in there so um the other thing is fun to do is using um, boxes meant for um uh slides so archival method sells these great long um maybe they're eight or maybe they're yeah eight or ten inches long and they're maybe two inches wide maybe two i guess the height of a slide right they're meant for slide storage a nice long narrow box for slide storage and they come with little caddies inside to kind of further separate your slides, but they make fantastic storage for tiny little items. So maybe a collection of metals or little jewelry or things you wanna just keep in these little caddies inside these nice, neat little boxes. So um, even if something says it's for photos, um, you know, really archival boxes can be repurposed for just about anything, so. Um, and then using little bags, using um, archival plastic bags is a great way to also kind of um, indiv- just kind of keep things separate if you're storing lots of different things in a, in a box, jewelry or pins or, you know, if someone's got a pin collection or uh, any, kind, any kind of thing. So just making sure it's padded, storing like with like, and then labeling the boxes is what's important for objects. Fantastic. There's so much information. Yeah. Do you? I know um, there's so I'm, much. I know. I'm thinking- <laughs> Do we, um, when we, uh, when we put on, on our show notes and how people can reach you, do you have like a, like a checklist of things to look out for or something, or maybe you can put one together? <laughs> Actually, I will, I will, you guys, you'll have this link to add in the show notes, but the, um, I did put together um, with the help of kind of my uh, team at Archival Methods um, a couple of years ago, we put together a preservation guide um, for family heirlooms. And it focuses mostly on uh, paper and photos, um, but there are uh, there is some information kind of about objects in general. And it really goes through like how to think about a family archive project. So it's, it's, um, it's a really nice guide. We have it as a PDF on the Archival Methods website. So I will um, make sure that link is in the notes, show notes for you guys. And 
Um, so it really goes through everything we talked about today. And then it's got specific sections on, um, you know, on how to, how to frame things safely, how to use boxes for storage, you know, binders for storage, different kinds of enclosures. So into, into more of the specifics, it's also kind of like catalog, like we, we didn't put prices in and we didn't put all the options in. We wanted kind of a more evergreen piece than a, a catalog that would be wrong, you know, eight months from now. So it's a really, um, I, I think it's a really fantastic guide. We've gotten um, good feedback on it and it's um, I probably that's the best. There are some checklists in there. Uh, for different things. So that's probably the best resource uh, for folks kind of just starting out on the archival storage journey. Yeah, that is fabulous. And yeah. I think it's, um, yeah. it's just, a, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that we did this topic today. Thank you so much for coming yeah, in. And, it's been and, fun. Yeah, sharing with us. There's so many uh, bits of information and I think you know even though we're around it all the time aren't we Chantelle, like we said you know it's a very specialized area and um, and I think what you've done is you've just brought it back out of the Smithsonian into the home and yeah, made it yeah. very relevant to us so thank you. You're welcome. That's kind of my, my mantra is, you know, like it's we, archival storage can be for everybody. It doesn't have to be this fancy museum stuff. Um, we can take, we can learn some things from them, but you know, even if you've just got some photos and boxes, they're going to be, you know, much happier in a hundred years than if you never, if you kept them in, you know, the, the, the photo lab envelopes and, and a shoebox. So yeah, yeah, even even little things can make a big difference uh, a couple generations down the road. So that's the real important thing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kate. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been great to chat with you guys. I, we we talk so often for other things, but it's nice to to actually talk business or talk kind of you know talk shop a little bit. Yeah. So it's been fun. It is. Yeah. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. No, oh, you're um, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So so thanks again, everyone, for listening. And I, I really hope that you have um, just been able to take some tidbits. We'll put all the details. Um, we know Kate's gone through a lot of great stuff. So we'll put all that in the um, in the show notes. And also you can find them obviously over at the website. But as always, just reach out to us. Um, Keep a keep a tab on the newsletter that comes out. And if you haven't registered, just, um, just go and do that over at the website. And um, yeah, I think these, you know, future future episodes can really benefit from, you know, hearing what listeners are, are really wanting to do to, to hear about. So just pop over and jump into that wish list area if you've got something specific or even anything that's come up from the episode today. And we'll make sure that we um, can direct you to Kate and um, and answer any questions that you've got. So thank you. Leave us a review if you would like to have any other feedback. And signing off, I am Fiona from Photo Helper. And I am Chantelle from Photos in Order. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks again, Kate, to you. And happy photo organizing. See you guys. Thanks, Kate. Thank you.